you're used to it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Funbox Monster Podcast. Uh, we are joined tonight by the inimitable Jackie Kong. Hello, Jackie. Hello. Hello. And I am also joined by Matt Awkward, as Hello. always. Hello. And uh, and Hi, tonight we're going to have a, a talk about her many films and some of the uh, some of the amazing things. We're having a screening of Blood Diner Sunday night at the Nickelodeon. And uh, and we're just going to have a little freeform conversation. If yes, that's come cool. for Halloween weekend. Right? For Halloween weekend, yeah. that's Perfect. what we're doing. Uh, and so we're and we're having a party afterwards, right? And there's a party at Gino's. Gino's. Oh, so we do have that. I didn't. Oh, know. absolutely, we do. And yeah, there's yeah. a Q and A. So so many things. Ask me anything. Ask ask anything. Ask and that's, you shall receive. That's a rare offer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, first, the first thing I've always wanted to ask is why. For Blood Diner, that is like without a without a like gotcha question here. Of all the things, you're you're presented with the ability to make a film. You know, it's it's so rare that somebody gets the opportunity to make a film, and you swung for the fences. I mean, no question. You know, I think Tristan, I always swing for the fences, <laughs> and that's why I um and I don't do sequels. That's another thing. People ever every time I do something i was curious about that if yeah, you ever thought of a blood diner sequel everyone yeah. wanted uh, yeah especially japan there they sent me a contract uh <laughs> oh. night patrol same thing um they i was sent a million dollar contract uh to uh, for some certain rights so i would be able to keep other rights but i said i already made that movie i possibly would have produced it but i didn't want to be the director again on a movie i already made <laughs> and i don't do sequels so is it um that's well, just why, why is that though i mean i feel like with night patrol too that's, those characters have some legs in that movie. Yeah, like, yeah, but I already made the movie I wanted to make. Yep. And with Blood Diner, same thing. I mean, I put everything into it. It's like you said, I swung for the fences, and I went, and I think I hit a home run because it's still playing mm -hmm. um, to new audiences, to the audiences that loved it when I made it. When I made it, it was so not acceptable. <laughs> I could put it. Yeah. Um, the I mean, rating board shut us down. They wouldn't rate the movie unless it got a triple X. They shut the film off. Wow. They said it was um, uh, there was there were no socially redeeming values <laughs> to the film. That sounds very British. That doesn't sound like an no, American. It's very we should have American. a right to have no socially redeeming values. The, the M. Well, the guy was so offended. You know, my yep. films do that. I, I don't. Nobody watches a Jackie Kong movie passively. This is the, you have to realize, uh, for sure. example, with Night Patrol, first 10 minutes I bombard people with these jokes. And, uh, and I, I, in the Midwest, when we ran it, I remember watching it in Oklahoma City and I saw this man drag his wife out of the theater and tear up his tickets violently and, uh, and over the cockfight scene. Okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> do you remember the cockfight scene? Oh, yeah. Of course, of course I do. Yes. And... You know, I'm thinking to myself, I never showed anything. Yeah. I, you didn't see anything, <laughs> but he imagined that. Sure. <laughs> he imagined, I never saw any, the front view, okay? Sure. Yeah, sure. you saw bare ass, yes. okay? But his imagination Imaginary wieners were too much. That's right. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Get me out of here. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and he just dragged his wife out of there, tore up the tickets, threw it in the usher's face, and he had no idea what happened. My films do that. Mm -hmm. And um, Blood Diner's the same kind of effect when I made it you know nowadays I think I made it so far ahead of its time that you know you didn't have mass shootings mm -hmm. 
when I made that. And we have the disclaimer right up front, you know, this is an everyday occurrence. It is an everyday occurrence in the United States, but when I made it, it wasn't. Yep. And so it was a kind of a ahead of its time. So the German audience, when they saw it, said, you know, this is a art film. They see it as an art film. They see it as, that, that oh my God, sense. a slice of Americana two crazy guys building a female Frankenstein yeah. in the in their made up of their customers <laughs> and uh, Germany and, would see it that way right and <laughs> and they're talking to their dead uncle who which I patterned after the son of Sam because the son of Sam said the dog the dog was talking to yeah. was yeah. barking and telling him to do all of these horrible murders um and and that's what makes that film have legs because it's grounded in something that I saw happening at the time, ahead of its time. I mean, like um, Son of Sam. They didn't have that in mind when they wrote the script mm -hmm. at all. I mean, um, they also ha didn't have the idea um, to make the two guys good looking and dateable. Okay, right. You want to go out with those guys, right? That yep. they had these goony guys that you'd see coming a mile away that looked like killers. I said I didn't want them to look like killers i wanted them to, them to look like guys that you know yeah. normal guys that that you'd like flirt with in the, at the, <laughs> the <laughs> local store but what would inspire you to want to do something specifically as a a sequel i guess an unofficial sequel to the herschel gordon lewis movie? i never saw the herschel gordon lewis movie and so why does that rumor persist? i liked the script and i thought i could do my version of that story and that story is completely i guess the film the my fans that love that film and also love herschel gordon lewis yeah. say it's like two to totally oh, different it absolutely um, is i never watched the herschel gordon lewis version because i didn't want it to affect my execution mm. and i think that uh when he saw it what did he tell he told one of the producers it was the weirdest movie he'd ever seen just, just weird <laughs> and that's him that's the same story but you know you can take the same story and it's it's all about execution sure. right i mean he was not he was not doing it to be funny intentionally at all, at all. It, it was funny accidentally yeah. when he did it that's right and then when yeah. i did it i saw this kind of like people ask me you know for example and i i tell this story um because it's you know they ask me how why is there like a talking dummy that, that I, that's that is a question I had. Is that one of your <laughs> I, I will, questions? I will not lie. I definitely had that question. Well, when I was uh, casting, that was not written for a dummy. <laughs> it was written for an actual person that's to be so his good. friend in Stan! this. In, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I when, when I direct, I do extensive rehearsals, and <laughs> and I when I was casting, I said this makes no sense. If you have a friend in your store, at least you have one friend. So it's not that bad. Right, then but you're not a friendless drifter. Th that's right. Yes. <laughs> but but if you have, it's really sad if you have a dummy <laughs> sitting in there pretending it's your friend, right? And pretending you have uh, a customer. The moment that he talks when he, after he's walked away was the moment that I was like, am I going insane? <laughs> yes. Or is this dummy supposed to be alive? <laughs> right. And you know what? People ask me, is the brain really talking to them? Right? Yes. People uh, I mean, that is also a good question. It's really a good question. And you know what I say to them? Is it real or is it, is it their imagination? I said, it doesn't matter. Right. Who cares? We, you believed when you watched that movie that the brain is telling them what I to do. I never thought the brain wasn't talking to them. That's no. right. Yeah. yeah, you just completely believe. Think about suspension of belief mm -hmm. of reality. I mean... You believe that that brain is telling those two guys and picking out the girls for them to assemble Sheetar. Yep. 
you never second guess it and that's what the magic of movie movie making is and you can do that in a comic book as well Um, (laughs) but to be fair they do make shitar come to life we do see an actual otherworldly godhead (laughs) arrive and disintegrate (laughs) people so to that end i think maybe the brain knew what it was talking about when it made those decisions but the the question was did they imagine the brain telling them the, to do it it doesn't really matter yeah. it doesn't matter did the dog really tell son of sam right in his mind that dog and that becomes an interesting story the relationship then between the dog and and you know the killer absolutely the relationship between the brain they love their uncle so much they have this affectionate scene at the beginning <laughs> they do that, <laughs> and they that watch opening him, is so brilliant yeah they, they watch him get killed and his last goodbye was were to these you know was to the two nephews so you totally buy that when the 20 years later they're going to dig him up and reactivate his brain yeah that's that's uh you know uh, amazing that's exactly it was you can you can buy it yeah of course why did i I think that could work because i thought i could make that work just like i think i can make the uh in the comic book in spend the night yeah I uh, basically have created an urban. Uh, I created an urban legend called One-Eyed Jenny. It doesn't exist. Yeah. But by the time I finish, you will believe that One-Eyed Jenny has is an, a real is urban it, legend. Is she going to be back in issue four? Oh, she's back. Okay, cool. Oh, she's cool. back. She she keeps. That was all about the Jenny, but then she's kind of like no, no. She shows up because for the past all two. hell breaks yep. loose Perfect. on issue four. I mean, issue three <laughs> is a bit of a setup, and we don't yep. see One-Eyed Jenny. But yeah. they get in serious trouble in four, and they're calling for her. And so you'll... I don't want to spill the oh, beans. Oh, very nice. Yeah, but they actually... Um, I, I gotta, there's so many good twists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want... I've written 20, and I have to tell you... Wow. I, yeah, Wait, I've, you've written 20 I've issues? I've written 20 issues. So it's a matter of... That's why we're just creating the, the artwork right now. Okay, so I was going to ask if you knew totally where it was going, oh, but completely. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I even know how One-Eyed Jenny became One-Eyed Jenny. Oh, God. And that's something that. that you're not going to reveal. I'm not going to reveal That's that. a good idea. Yeah, you're not going to hear <laughs> how she became One-Eyed Jenny. All I can tell you is one through four, they make it through the first sleepover. The first, yep. they have to do these uh, series of sleepovers because they made a deal with One-Eyed Jenny. Um, and those kind of deals, in order to bring back their dead friend, as you and I'll spill that much, <laughs> they make a deal with One-Eyed Jenny, this evil urban legend, um, to uh, and to spend the night repeatedly with her every weekend. And those kind of deals rarely work out well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you if, if you get into that situation and you're offered that deal, I, I can only just warn you that rarely does that. <laughs> go well in the future <laughs> yes that sounds very very much like a good advice to take yes uh, so one of the things about spend the night that really struck me as you being a, if you will forgive the term an exploitation filmmaker mm-hmm. um you among cra- other things you cracked the code <laughs> on something that the sleazeball directors that would be uh, that have been trying to get this down for years. And what would, is that? That is, how do you explain why we need to keep having slumber parties? <laughs> yes, you know, what's so funny, um, that device, it's a device. Yes, absolutely. And how do you get these, this, assemble the same group of people over and over and over and over again? So the device is, they're forced into this yeah. deal. And the device 
works because as you spend the night with a different family and a different house, you actually begin to find out the horrors that take place. Because I don't know about you, but I had never found it settling to sleep at somebody's house as a kid. No, no I remember no. doing yeah. it a bunch, and yeah, there were definitely some weird nights. Yeah, I, I, my <laughs> first sleepover, I, rem- I remember it vividly. Um, I, 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 I left, and I walked home in the middle of the night, because it was a very scary Ooh. thing. They're all sleeping, and I'm wide awake. In a stranger's house. Yeah, yeah. in yeah. a strange house. I mean, you f- you start to find out what the family is really about, what the dynamic is about, yep. what the characters are about. You begin to find out what the town is about because we have this device where you have to go to different houses. Yeah. And I, I can only tell you there are some really scary households <laughs> and uh, lots of uh, revelations. And I have to say, I think I wrote probably the best AA meeting in a, com- in a comic <laughs> book ever and then uh, and then how again revelation that you reveal reveal re- reveal these things as you go and uh, so I don't want to spill the beans all I can tell you is they end up one of the characters ends up um, one of the characters you don't like initially mm. you end up liking because nobody believes him and he's the only one speaking the truth mm. so they send him to um Uh, in order for him to avoid jail he has to go to AA meetings and I don't know if anyone has ever (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you have but this is a you know it's a reality and I and I think I wrote probably one of the the most outrageous uh, AA uh, meetings um, only because I researched that myself (laughs) and that Chuck uh, Palahniuk that wrote Fight yeah. Club. We, we, I used to love going to these meetings, even though I wasn't an alcoholic and I wasn't a, um, a, um, a gamble hall. They, they, they had them all in one place in LA where every room was a different AA, you know, yeah, Alcoholic yeah. Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, NA, um, et cetera, et cetera. Self-Mutilation Anonymous. Wow. Of course, I love sitting into all of those because... <laughs> It's like grace, and and every time I'd sit in, everyone thought I was in denial that I was really, you know, I really had this yeah, problem. Sure. But you're just are not facing your problems. But it gave me an idea of how the it works. So when I wrote that scene, yeah, I know how the how the but the dynamic is. Um, so and uh, so anyway, it, it's it's it, there's one. It's not heavy. My stuff is not heavy. No. It sounds heavy right now, but it's actually very light and fun and scary. Um, well, even when the stuff once. is heavy, it's always handled L- in a fun manner. A little manner, bit of lightness. Yeah. Um, I find it, it's more. It's easier for the audience to be thrown off balance um, when you, you you can make them laugh, mm-hmm. and at the same time, then something horrific happens, and then there's a laugh. It lightens it, and then yeah. bam, something horrific. They don't expect it. Yeah. And and that's why I thought it was nice with Canby. He said, you know, lot, this made, movie made me laugh over and over. The only way you can make someone laugh in a, in a comedy is you've got to surprise them. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most jaded audiences you can imagine. They are calling every joke ahead of time. That's of why course. the really good comedians can can surprise you with, the, and that's what makes you laugh. Uh, their their observations, a surprise. If you thought that before, there's no laugh. So <laughs> yeah, and so, that's I mean, with Night Patrol specifically, that's something that you do really well. Is thank that you. The, the, J, <laughs> the the JPM, as they say, is like is off the charts on that thing. Like, and that's a that's something that people post airplane kind of got a hold of and started to figure out but 
you notice in modern comedies they still have not gotten that because they have this improvisational concept where it's like right. oh let's just kind of shoot a whole bunch of stuff and hope for the best right, and then right. they wind up with these slow paces where nothing happens and you know what what I did with the, with the Night Patrol I covered that so much I mean as a filmmaker of your filmmakers I shot everyone from every angle from you know I so that I could change the pacing in the editing room when a joke doesn't work you can change the pacing and comedians are interesting because they are I, they call them the kamikazes of the show business because they're either crash or burn on yes. stage <laughs> or they're or so and usually they if they're not good that's why they go on the road and try to test out their material but they'll crash I mean they don't know whether a joke's going to work sometimes so they'll test it out on an audience but the, uh, what I found was directing comedians at stand-up comedians was hard because they don't listen to each other no. they're so used to just doing the improv alone on stage so I noticed like certain comedians would like memorize all the person's li everybody's lines and I could see them mouthing other people's lines <laughs> 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 and 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 Acting, and re especially with film, obviously with film, you've got to be reacting. So if you're mouthing the lines or you're, or you're anticipating the lines, you're not reacting to the lines, right? You're not reacting to yes. the action. So it's like, say something to me like, Matt, say, like, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> so I had as, as anyone who's going to watch the video of this will see I cannot possibly keep up with that pace to catch that <laughs> yeah no what I did is I had to stop everyone so they didn't step on anyone's lines because yep. if once they step on the line you can't use the close up yep. there's no there's no space to cut in there so you've got to say okay you got to clear the line and at least I can change the pace in the mm -hmm. editing room and I can make you look like you're listening by having my line over your face Gotcha. Okay, so this was my technique on, on Night Patrol. If you look at that film, yeah. oh, absolutely. everybody's reacting because they're not, when they're talking, when the other person's talking, I'm on the other person's face. Yep. So I can ch change the pace. That's Perfect. why and it's moved so fast. It, it, uh, yeah. And they listen. The, the one time when I couldn't get this girl, and I, I got to tell you, it's the one where the peeping Tom scene, mm -hmm. and she's um, she's like reenacting what she's doing while the peeping Tom is looking in the window. Yep. She couldn't. She no, couldn't. I don't remember that from my, my youth watching that scene at all. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't well, no, I'm just. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally well, remember that scene. She's got the binoculars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, she couldn't um, do the same lines twice, and on film, you have to be able to do it more than once the same way mm -hmm. otherwise it doesn't match right so you can't cut into it so on those kind of scenes I would roll two cameras because oh. that way all you need is one take and you've got it both angles covered and it doesn't matter if they're stepping on each other's lines because you can cut in between the two takes all these tricks I mean I had a trick you gotta remember I shot that movie at the height of the cocaine comedian <laughs> cocaine era yeah. I was in my 20s everyone was on coke I'm not gonna say who but all I know is Andrew when Dice I Dice Clay <laughs> yeah. all oh, I know I, is that did, did I say Andrew Dice Clay I didn't I'm say not that. gonna say I'm not gonna say who and I don't think it was Andrew he was actually super sweet it, it, very respectful is the world does the world uh, owe you for uh, bringing Andrew Dice Clay yes. into the mainstream yes they <laughs> oh do. good thanks so it, much it was his first movie and he does that Dice character yep a woman as a, hater as a joke it's a complete I don't want to I'm not even supposed to say this but that's all comedians have a shtick they call he it a has, shtick he has revealed oh he has okay this, I mean he, it's not him he was the most respectful guy yeah. at rehearsals 
especially to a young twenty something. I did not know that. That's that's. Oh shocking. my God! Yeah. He was like, if I if I made a comment like I said something about his hairy back because he showed up in his muscle shirt, <laughs> he almost started crying. I mean, he was yeah. like so sensitive, um, a person. But he does that Aww. as his gangster comedy shtick, yeah. woman hating, you know, thing, and that's his thing. That was his thing. That's that sort of made him famous. Was it his thing at the time? Yeah, he started it. Okay, that's when because, I heard, yeah. because when when he was on in in Night Patrol, we're almost exclusively talking about Night Patrol on this yeah. horror podcast. Ah. But like, <laughs> but it is it's great. And I love uh, Night Patrol. I have no complaints. <laughs> we can talk but about. I mean, that. he is playing it as though that is what a bad comedian does, and no one wants the thing that he's doing. <laughs> well, he's trying to audition for the manager to get a manager, right? So he's stalking her basically. Yes. And um, but you know he was doing that shtick. I cast Night Patrol out of the comedy store parking lot, so all the comedians would hang in the parking lot. Yeah, and want to uh, and hang. You know, they do their bit, and then everyone would hang. And the word went out that we were making this film, and we didn't have any money. I mean, it was like <laughs> we were shooting weekends only. And um, oh wow, yeah. I mean, I did that way before Robert Townsend shot on credit cards. <laughs> we shot like uh, weekends only. Everybody wanted to work on it. Um, I went once we got the money from New World. It went out to everybody, like what they call pro rata, parapasu. Everybody got their yeah. share of whatever the the breakdown was. Wow. But it was a hard shoot because I was shooting two locations a day because everyone was working during the week on, you know, shows, my crew, and they would give me the weekends. Finally, they loved oh. the film so much, they said, hey, Jackie, let's just finish shooting this in two weeks because it was right around June and I, they said, uh, we're tired of working a week. Yes, <laughs> that's so let's fair. Just, so let's just get it shot, and everybody did. My cr my crew was amazing. Everyone jumped in. I had five different cinematographers working on that because everyone was working on other shows. But that's a testament to my consistency yeah. on the shots because I laid out every shot, so they all matched. I mean, otherwise, when you have five DPs doing different scenes, <laughs> it normally doesn't match. But luckily, it was a comedy, so it's mostly bright lighting not like a horror film. If it was a horror film, it would be more difficult because there's a lighting technique you would want to keep consistent yeah. for, throughout. Um, but with a comedy, it, you can go bright. That's why when Brian De Palma did, um, what did he do, that comedy, he lit it like a horror film. What was that? Um, Throw Mama, wasn't... Um, Throw Mama was from it? the Train? Yeah, it was one of the films he did early on in the like 90s or like late 80s, and it was supposed to be a comedy, but he lit it like a horror <laughs> film. <laughs> you know, not sure. That it's, I don't know, uh, but definitely Throw Mama from the Train was lit like a, I mean, it was... That was DeVito. Yeah, it was supposed. Yeah. It was shot basically like it was a, uh, like it was a horror Horror movie. film, yeah. 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 I think, was uh, that De Palma that did that De Palma. movie? No, yeah. that was De that was DeVito. DeVito was in it, was it? Or he directed, directed it. it. He directed oh, okay. it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? So, but it wasn't Rama from the Train. It was another one he did. I can't remember. It was a while ago. <laughs> That's it wasn't amazing. one of my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that so. movie's incredible. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh Matt. so may I ask, with, with Night Patrol, is Murray Langston written from the beginning with the unknown comic there? Uh, I don't even want to go into that story because everyone's going to... It was such a traumatic thing. Oh, is that a bad thing? I'd uh, I'm going to give you guys the scoop because uh -huh. okay. no one has gotten this scoop. And, um, you know, I was 25, turned 26 while shooting that movie, shooting 40 setups a day, two locations a day. I mean, we were just flying. And the only way you could do that is if you do rehearsals. Mm -hmm. And the rehearsals yeah. took place at Murray's house. 
or, or uh, you know, we get all the actors together, all the comedians, and all those driving scenes. Literally, Pat Paulson and Murray on a sofa. Let's go to scene <laughs> 20. Let's go to scene 40. And they'd have to do it because when we shot it, there are cameras mounted on the car, yep. and they have to know their lines because it's very distracting when they turn that on and you're supposed to drive and deliver the lines. So we did all of that in rehearsal. I, I, do re I rehearse all my movies, yep. and so we can shoot fast. If, if you don't rehearse, you can't shoot as quickly as I was filming. And uh, so anyway, it's a long story, and I, probably it's, I think enough time has passed to go into this story, but Murray was very grateful. He had that script for like five years, couldn't get it made maybe even longer and um, I said okay let's I want to do it um, shooting weekends only and I can get a crew put together and we'll cast out of the comedy store and um, so he was he had a girlfriend at the time he was really happy mm -hmm. but there was no ending to the script because it was all jokes and shtick yeah. and this moonlighting story I said Murray you you got to write an ending you've got we don't have an ending here and we started filming without an ending and so, um, at first, he was so grateful that I, that he was starring in this movie. And then, it, uh, quite honestly, he started getting this really massively big head, okay? Yeah. Which happens sometimes when you um, give someone a break and they're suddenly the star and mm -hmm. they're not used to it and girls are coming around that normally wouldn't make themselves available. And I won't go into detail, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. But let's just say his girlfriend found out and left and left him in the middle of the shoot. Oh. And this is his living like girlfriend and she's just left him. So I, I arrive at his house and I was editing and I see him laying in the driveway in a robe. I still remember this, I, I have like visual. <laughs> He's laying on the ground in a robe with his some kind of like slip on sandals, crying. He's crying. And I said, what's going on? And he said, uh, Connie left me. And I said, oh my God. I said, what did you think was gonna happen? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to be, I wasn't gonna, I, I said, yeah. what did you think was gonna happen? And um, so he took off in the middle of the shoot with uh, Johnny Dark and uh, oh. Ted Knight to Hawaii of all places. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm like, this, and I'm going, we're, we, we got a movie to finish. Yeah. We haven't finished the <laughs> film and you took off to, uh, so I had to go track him down and drag him back and say, hey, you know what? I don't care what you do. And this is, you know, what it's kind of the movie making nightmares you know, that happen. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you do. Just finish the freaking movie. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. sleep with whoever you want or do whatever you want after we finish shooting. But um, finish you got to finish this movie. I said, I've got all these this, uh, 200 people waiting for to get paid when I sell it. And they're not going to get paid until we finish it because yep. I can't sell it till it's done. So finally, I dragged him back. But then <laughs> there was a riff after that because he was really mad at me for pulling him back. And I'm only like 26 years old. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not your mom. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I got to finish a movie and I'm, I'm uh, you know, I've got it. So anyway, I cut the movie myself um, uh, because I knew how to change the pacing. And I learned from Bob Downey Sr. He was my mentor, crazy filmmaker mm -hmm. that just favorite part of the process is the editing because you can do anything yeah. and change the voices, change the pacing. And he was so funny, so diplomatic. Uh, he would always say, oh, Jackie, that's a that's a great scene. Um, it just doesn't belong in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> How diplomatic is that? that? Is, wow. Basically, it's a shitty scene. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> so, so, but he would—he was very sensitive to how much work you put into like trying to get certain things, right? <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll save that for another movie. Of course, it just—it's on the cutting room floor. It doesn't make it in. But um, 
But anyway, so that's what happened with Marie. Uh, there was no ending. Yeah. Um, that whole good, the bad, and the ugly thing, I ended up having to write mm. and and shoot because yeah. there was, you know, and because no one wrote an ending. So right. that's, that was me having to jump in and write it. Fix it. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so when you did, so the being was the first thing you ever did, correct? Yes, that's right. That is like, how much like what did you go into the being with did you have film school did you have oh i've been making films since i was 14 so you super 8 films um i did the whole spielberg super 8 movies okay. with the my f the neighbors okay <laughs> the neighbors and my brother and That's um awesome. and christian brando he was in one marlon got really upset really <laughs> pissed off um, about it and he was great by the way Kristen was great natural a natural uh, performer just so genuine and um, so I made all these Super 8 movies and I scored them and I cut them and and then um, when I was 18 I got a 16mm uh, camera and um, as a gift and, I, I, and that's a long story but it, a big celebrity gave me this camera because he saw my even though he like didn't like the idea that I was going to move into the business he he <laughs> It was. It, it's a paradox. Really. Who was this? It's a paradox. Um, oh come on! You can tell us. I. You don't know, Tristan. I, I thought you knew. I don't. So on my what? 18th birthday, the phone rings, and um, and nobody remembers it's my birthday. I'm crying. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm emotional. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and the phone rings, and um, it's an old family friend of my mom's, uh, Christian's dad, Marlon Brando, who's an, I've known him since I was six. He's a very close friend of the family. And um, so anyway, um, he uh, said, what? He immediately, you know, what is wrong? What's wrong? I said, it's my birthday and nobody remembered. And he goes, oh, of course we remembered it was your birthday. We're having a dinner for you at Trader Vic's and <laughs> invite your friends. And and uh, so I did. I called some friends from high school and I invited them. And, and um, we're sitting there eating and a big box arrives, like gift wrapped with a bow. And it says, uh, from a secret admirer on the mm. card. <laughs> and then it, oh. but the, the, the person that sold it to him couldn't resist. He wrote on the back, who happens to be Marlon Brando. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that was that was the person or was it Marlon Brando doing that? No, it was, I don't know. Exactly. I didn't, I never thought of that. <laughs> I never thought of that one. Um, I thought it was because the store was like, had to like say spill the beans like that, yeah that's pretty funny yeah so um so anyway i got that camera and uh started making 16 millimeter films in college uh got the professor to let me use all the equipment and get into the cutting room so i'm actually trained in cutting with film yep not on digitally i i know how to handle a moviola flatbed oh, wow yeah that's Man. it's what i where it's more exact you can actually get the timing. You ask, you ask me about the timing. You can get timing with, a, with film. That's why Spielberg's editor still cuts on film. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael Kahn, I think, is his last name. Um, because you, there's things you can do with film as far as timing that you cannot get that kind of exact moment It's um, uh, and, and rhythm. Yeah, it's uh, interesting that you mentioned that because that was when you were talking about the comedy timing before, mm -hmm. one of the things that I had noticed that you do that is something that has been adopted in modern comedy that isn't i maybe it's even just a result of you doing the the close-ups to to the far shots um you do a thing where it cuts quickly 
so mm-hmm. that the punchline comes a second sooner than you know it was delivered. Mm-hmm. If you if you I catch my sliding drift. sliding tracks. So when you're cutting with a moviola and dual system, they call it. You've got your stripe, which is your um, soundtrack, and you have the uh, picture. You can't do this easily digitally, where you slide the tracks. I'm moving dialogue in places where there no one is talking, mm-hmm. and uh, th- but again, that's that old trick to make it look like you're actually looking at the person yeah. <laughs> and listening. Um, these were these tricks I just figured out when I was tr- trying to work with all these comedians. It was a challenge. After that, I couldn't go to a comedy store forever because after oh, God, yeah, I, yeah, it was like listen, I, oh. I can barely go to I can barely go to rock shows anymore because I'm so sick of musicians. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I had a, a period where I just couldn't uh, watch any more jokes being told. You know, it was like, because I, yeah. I worked with 50 stand-ups and we shot like so much. And and it was, um, I had my fill, let's just put it that way. But yes. the movie came out, you know, funny. It did. Because of that fast-paced rhythm and timing that catches you off guard. If this one doesn't get you, this one will, and it'll catch you off guard. I remember going to Chicago and the entire audience booing the first 10 minutes of the film because they thought they could call the jokes, right? Yeah. So I do 10 minutes of like all him, the, the, the bum... He yep. revives the cock fight, the the sperm bank. We got yeah. the man driving a car with a straight jacket. Right, right. All of <laughs> oh, that. Oh yeah, you can call all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were because it's a smart ass audience, right? <laughs> it's the Chicago audience, South Side. Oh god, oh, it's my a bunch god. of improv nerds. Yeah, yeah. Te- everyone's groaning, yelling, and then because I, I have this idea, and it's it is true. You have to surprise your audience somewhere within the first ten minutes of your movie. And throw them off guard. So they're like very vocal, really vocal audience. And and finally, um, the psychiatrist tells that really bad joke, and um, there everyone is yelling boo <laughs> in the audience. And the psychiatrist turns and breaks character, mm. not character breaks this the, breaks the, the fourth wall, wall. And he and he turns to the audience and says, "Ah, yourself." <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say. At that moment, the entire audience <laughs> fell on the floor laughing because I called them on it. That's, That's great, awesome. right? That's awesome. And then I, they were, they were, they loved it from that point on That's because amazing. they they were caught off guard. Now, yep. now they didn't know what was going to happen next. So, there's uh, these tricks working with uh, comedy is tricky, horror is tricky as well, because um, you've got you know. I try to always push the envelope. You know that. And, yes. and that's why... Well, I, I hadn't noticed I, that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I'd what's so that. strange because, um, you know, you would think that people would... I think that the, the, the horror aficionados, the horror fans, love it for that reason. Mm-hmm. And that's why yes. the films hang, still play, uh, to sell out audiences. And theatrically, we took out um, uh, the um, Blood Diner, during 2016 when Lionsgate re-released it on Blu-ray and I I don't do commentaries either okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so you you will notice that previous to that period that 2016 you, you don't hear me on any commentary about my movies right <laughs> and uh and because i i thought why should i i i want them to just watch the movie not hear my voice right and then they said what would it take for you to do a commentary on blood diner and i said what it would take is uh for you to re-release it theatrically the way it was supposed to be seen 
I'll come in, we'll, we'll work off the negative, give me the DCP, and I will um, run it in theaters. And, and basically, I ran it in theaters, sell out everywhere. I mean, it sold out in the Alamo Draft House, at Quinton's Theater, mm-hmm. Tarantino's Theater, at um, everywhere, everywhere we played it. Be- and at Tarantino's Theater, they told me it sold out faster online than any other movie they've ever had. It was a Tuesday night, I still remember, because I was late. And uh, they said, uh, I, I said, I'm late because there was nowhere to park. And they said, that's because everyone's in the theater. <laughs> and that's, un- that's unheard of on a Tuesday night. We um, had people coming from Bangor down to this thing. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully turn up because it's, a, an, ex- it's a, an experience. It's not a, um, a screening of a film. It's a kind of an event. Yeah, and um, I've been telling people that there is nothing like this movie in the world, and I, I would really challenge anyone to debate that on any level. Good luck. Yeah, and there, has, there has not been in decades anything close to it. You know, um, yeah. really, um, it surprises audiences now uh, as 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 much as it did when it came out. I would say yeah. the thing is that now other people have copied certain things. Like the um, no one's copied the donut head though. Uh, it's <laughs> funny that was literally the one thing I was thinking of. <laughs> that, that's the only thing that and literally in the New York. Tempura head. Somebody <laughs> brought me one. As huh? a, I get a lot of fan art. Uh, people brought me a donut head. Oh, I get like embroideries <laughs> of uh, the brain. That that was a recent one in Portland. Um, I tattoos a blood diner on their arms or on in Portland on their legs. Yeah. Everyone wants to show me their their blood diner tattoo. It's like their favorite movie. So. Yeah, it's so good. Um, so I I I've been really I really like seeing that audience see it on the big screen because they really it's a totally different experience. Um, that's great. Yeah, that's very exciting. So if you haven't seen it on the big screen, this is what I say: you haven't seen it. Nice. I haven't so seen it then. then I, I can't wait till tomorrow. I yeah. can't wait <laughs> to finally see this movie. Yes. We, we will talk afterwards. Yep. You'll, you'll see things that you've never seen before. Awesome. That's yeah. really exciting. Um, yeah, I, I think that we've taken up enough of your time. Well, I'm, oh. I'm just curious. Is there any new movies coming from That's, you? Okay. Ah, let's talk about yes. Spend the Night so, then for a moment. Yes, let's talk about that. Because uh, Spend the Night is my new horror comic book series. Which is excellent. I'm all caught up. It is ah, excellent. You can up. buy it Love at Coast City Comics and at CoastCityComics.com. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tristan, here at your store, you're one of the few stores that still has issue number one. Because I it's, bought a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, it's sold out. Yeah, it's sold out in the printing. First printing sold out at Lunar. And you yep. were lucky you bought it, because now I've got people saying, do you think that they'll, uh, other shops are saying, do you think he'll cut loose of some <laughs> for us? Because uh, people are wanting to buy the whole series, not just yes, one. Exactly. And um, so um, this is, this, full of surprises. <laughs> I don't, it is full of surprises. Yeah, and I don't, wait to, wait to, it gets better and better. Um, because now I start to introduce the characters. And I, I really, for me, that's the fun part. Um, really interesting characters that you don't expect and um, are you thinking of turning this into a film no <laughs> no not no. a film uh, because i have 20 issues that written. sounds like a separate thing that's not a film what you could know, that be i think this has to be a series of some sort <laughs> so and you are thinking you are thinking tv for this i'm thinking yeah i'm thinking that's a, a, i just only because it's 20 issues that's going to be the longest film yeah, it's yeah, gonna be fair. We're fair. gonna be sitting there for what <laughs> hours, <laughs> five, six hours. I don't think I, I can't stand these three-hour films. I'm sorry. No, no, same. I, I haven't seen Oppenheimer for that reason. I do not 
have three hours to go sit in the movie theater. Um, Life is too short. Yeah, and uh, yet I went in the other day to the theater, and uh, I said, "When does it start?" Because I have a, I was hoping that I'd have a, t- a moment. And he goes, "Yeah, the movie's so long, but there's this one guy who saw it eleven times." <laughs> he goes, "He goes, the guy doesn't have a lot." Yeah, no kidding. He's like, I, mean, oh. "I think that goes without saying." Yeah, exactly. Uh, it doesn't mean it's a good movie. It just doesn't have a, a life. Right? Yes. <laughs> so a series is in development no, or you that, want no, it to be I, this is what I, I just did an interview with Fangoria magazine yep. did you read it I did read it yeah yeah and at the very last one, uh, um, note I said don't you think it would make a good series <laughs> I <laughs> think it would yeah I think it would only because there's so m- there are so many characters that need that long arc yep and you so know, but you are you are a filmmaker you are a person who has made film and you have this amazing uh, I, I talk to a lot of people who do film and when somebody has your skills and has dedicated so much of your life to making film it seems like such a shame that you're not making independent films well, right I, now well let's go into that for a minute you know when i was making night patrol and blood diner i was in my 20s yeah i was doing genres that were the very few women in fact groundbreaking amazing for, to have oh, women cool. doing comedy a woman doing comedy and horror at that time. So visually, I didn't fit in. I don't know how to explain it. I would walk in and people would go, I thought you were a guy. <laughs> I mean, literally, I thought you were a guy. And, we're, and, and, and at that time, it was not like people were trying to say, well, she's got a lot of skill. Um, maybe we should put her on something else. It's more like, was that an accident? You know what I'm saying? It was kind of, of course. Uh, and yeah. uh, she must have gotten lucky. But I got lucky what four times. <laughs> and <it's, laughs> I mean, how many times do you have to prove yourself um, that you that you have the skill to move an audience yeah. and to, and to and to make a story, tell yeah. a story that would last decades and decades to new audiences. I mean, that's a skill that very few directors have. But being a woman, I have to say, it was a disadvantage being able to continue. Um, sure. In that in that form, and unless I wanted to make a sequel, and the sequels were at that time just so that the people, the powers that be, would just have more money. Yes, <laughs> they weren't ca- they didn't care about the quality of the mm-hmm. films. In fact, one of the reasons I was given full free reign on Blood Diner is because they didn't care. Yeah, um, the executives never showed up on the set. I had full. <laughs> Contr- uh, like uh, freedom to do whatever I wanted as long as I stayed within the minuscule budget <laughs> <laughs> that they gave me. But I find small budgets sometimes, especially that era and for uh, before that Roger Corman, those kind of little micro budgets really force you to be creative. Yes. And you have to f- come up with solutions to tell that story and be able to still get that production value um, yeah. without, without blowing a tremendous amount of money. So it, it was a great training, but you're right. How come you guys aren't calling me up to work on more projects? I have no idea. But, okay. Except for Blumhouse saying women are not qualified to do horror films. Uh, do you remember that? Whoa. Two years ago? Jesus. I didn't yes. hear it, no. Oh, this happened in the LA Times. That's probably why. And I'm sure he buried it. And I'm sure he's going to love this podcast. But, yeah, he's going to love but, that this is out there. <laughs> but uh, literally, he yeah. said in the LA Times, it got a lot of flack. Because he was doing so many horror films, and the one producing the big house doing horror films at that time, for him to say that women, he doesn't hire women because they're not qualified to make horror films, 
people believed him. It doesn't matter whether they forced him to apologize later, which he right. did. They they knew that that's what he believed, and yeah. and unfortunately, they think of him as an authority. So when someone that's an authority says things like that, it really does set you back. Oh, um, it's shocking. Yeah, it's shocking. It is shocking. It's, I mean, when the, the, the head of Rolling Stone recently was like that that insane thing that he said where he was like, oh, well, people of color aren't articulate enough for, yeah. for us See, to it's include that them. Kind of you know, the people stupid. that created this thing that we made right. all of our money on. That's Fuck right. those people. Well, it's kind of a such a cavalier, irresponsible oh. thing to say, but unfortunately, people believe him, and that causes the whole, you know, so when you ask me that question, yeah. I, we can go into this for a very long time, but I have, uh, you know, I, I, I did this on Shudder on the show uh, um, In Search of Darkness, I, they asked me that question, I said, you don't, you know, it, 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 it was, I delivered and I outdid the boys. Quite honestly, even the guys mm -hmm. will tell you I outdid the boys. Comedy, horror, I can outdo the boys. But the problem is, is that when I would walk into the distributor's office, they would it would be a disconnect because visually I don't look like a person that would do these, um, these films, these genre films. So it doesn't matter how good I am, uh, and that's why I I tell people. Just don't wait for the opportunity. Well, <laughs> this is what I tell them. I said because I asked. They asked me that at uh, El Paso Horror Fest, and they said, "I said, you know what? If you're waiting for someone to give you the shot, you're not. It's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. I, I can just tell you that right now. You want to make a movie? That's why I shot Weekends Only. Yeah, and I made a hilarious comedy that outgrossed all of New World's movies put together. Mm -hmm. My film at 25, 26 outgrossed them all, shipped platinum in the video market. So I proved myself. Yeah. But you don't get the shot. You don't get the... It sucks. Yeah, it mm. kind of really sucks. And it really is still the same way. Mm. I don't see a big change. But what if you start from scratch? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm if doing you the comic build it book. from the base up and make your own film and just do it? Well, I would if I if that's. I have to tell you, I I've I've dabbled in every possible medium from the time I started. I made films, thirty-five millimeter films. Learned to edit. When cut, are we going to see shopping. those? No, I did the first inner. I did that went platinum, so I was able to strike a deal with the video market, which is gone. That was a, yeah. a moment, right? I I missed the drive-in era, which was the Corman era. That was bef before my time, which would have been Ron Howard, um, Coppola, um, yep. Jonathan Demme, all getting their training on these what they call drive-in movies for fifty thousand dollars or less. And then, um, so I, that was before my time because I was. Yeah, kid, <laughs> but if uh, but he hired film school graduates to make these very low, low, low budget. Um, so yeah. they they it was training. Joe Dante's, yeah, Joe Dante, all of those guys. So um, so I came in on the New World front at, as a pickup. It was a negative pickup. Yeah. So I already made it on my own because I wasn't waiting for someone to give me <laughs> the shot. There was no the people would look at me. There's no way they were going to give me the shot, so I had to really fight for that. Um, and even afterwards, it's sort of what they did to Catherine Hardwick. I hate to say this, oh, but you know, Catherine Hardwick delivered on on uh, on Twilight. She cast everybody. She shot the movie. Mm -hmm. They never asked her to come back and do the sequel. 
any of them. And there was yeah. like some, oh, she's got, got some emotional instability. I'm sorry, but when a man is emotionally unstable, they don't, and he's making them a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Bring him back. Bring no, him back tomorrow. Bring that guy back. Yep. You know, we want him back. He's. Uh, that's just because he's an artist. Because that's right. that's, he's that's an right. artist, right. but women and are emotionally unstable. That's and it's right. Bad. That's they, right. It's, oh. it's con- suddenly it's like a bad thing. You know, when you're demanding. Yeah. If if it was a female uh, Jack Nicholson, he would never would have gotten oh. another role again. Yeah, he'd be uh, forever. That yeah, yeah. rumor would go around flying that emotionally unstable character. Yep. He hits people with wraps of <laughs> golf clubs around <laughs> around their neck, and when he doesn't get out, you know in traffic. Yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but so that's that's the hard part. You know, you ask me that, and I don't like often bring that up unless yeah. I'm asked because no, but it is true, and yeah. I think it's a very important point. Yeah, and, and I think it also just makes it that much more. I mean, I think it's very obvious how impressive what you've done is. Ah, thank but you. But I think it's just it is it is amazing to see you stand out. You know, it is it's a beacon. It's also, but it's also just crazy to me how at the same time you are this groundbreaking person making your way in the industry you're also doing things that are so strange (laughs) that are so far outside of what we're seeing and it's like it's more fun and more interesting than what we get to see and maybe that might be part of the reason we need more diversity in our (laughs) in our programming i i think that what i bring to the table is a is my point of view which is just out there as any good artist uh, should bring um, another another view, another. I, I mean, people ask me, "How do you think of these things?" And a lot of the times, I'll I'll run the problem in my head, and I'll go to sleep. I do some of my best work in my sleep, and then I wake up and I write it down, and I and I start to. I, especially when I'm in Hawaii, I can get up at the crack of dawn and write out everything before breakfast, and. Um, some of the best stuff from Spend the Night was written in Hawaii. That's why I have this affinity to the people and the place because I do a lot of, it's a very creative place Yeah. Um, where you can sit and, and mine all that stuff. But but I think that, uh, you know, it's not luck. Mm, yes. <laughs> and this is the, the point is, it, you know, when you're a director, it's just not, everything can't be luck. You have to have some skill, and the, and it would be nice to be. Thank you for acknowledging that. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. But uh, I think it's the comic book is the same thing. You're going to yes. be surprised. <laughs> and, I, and people have said to me, you you bring something that people don't do in comic books. For example, um, in the comic book are hidden QR codes. I scored this comic book, <laughs> and I had um, composers write cues as well as source music. And if you Look carefully, and I don't. Uh, it, it, while you're reading, you can scan these hidden QR codes in the comic book, which plays the score as you're reading. So it's a full visceral experience. I don't think anyone has ever done that, have they, Tristan? I don't think so. I don't think I don't think they've been laced throughout. I think they've been like at the end. I don't yeah, think they've ever. I don't something think there's like ever that. been something or where it's like literally for a specific no, section for scenes. Yeah, I haven't. I, I haven't played the game yet. Reading it along with the the music, I gotta oh, do that. Oh, you have to scan it. Oh, yeah. I don't tell people um, <laughs> about it. Well, it says it in the intro, though. Right? Yeah, I do, but yeah. I don't tell people. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, but that really takes you to another level when you're reading it with the score. That's awesome. And. Uh, so anyway, grab, spend the night yes. because you want to get the first um, printing. 
Yes, read Spend the Night. You can pick it up at your local comic shop. You can pick it up online. We have copies of it. Uh, Call, go online, and and get it at At Coast Coast City City Comics. Comics. You can hit us up. And tell them Jackie sent you. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) please do. Uh, Awesome. And uh, Jackie is starving to death. We have. She has not eaten. She's going to to die (laughs) if I do not not end this podcast now. Yeah, she got to town and we were like, do this with us. And she was like, but I kind of wanted to eat. (laughs) I've I've been up since one in the morning traveling to get (laughs) here. And uh, I, I'm glad I found it. It I, took me on some road along the coast, and uh, but it was so pleasant that now you're all relaxed yeah. from seeing and coastal Maine. Right? No, it's actually beautiful. I, I <laughs> it really it. is. Yeah, but uh, it but took it's me also a, a pain time. in the ass, and I totally yeah. understand why you want to <laughs> get some food and go to bed. So um, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, having me. Absolutely, and come to our screening tomorrow oh. night. And oh, sorry, what else? I just want to show Kong Comics, my oh, yes. co- my uh, comic book company. Stephen Blickenstaff did that portrait of me. One of my favorite <laughs> artists. Uh, he did the yes of, cramps of the cramps, the famous cramps. Bad music for bad people. Yes, uh, and he you, you've seen everyone wear people? that sick from Lord music. to yeah, on Rolling Stone magazine. Yes, he's a great artist. Um, he did my logo. He's great. So he um, did some skateboard art too that I can't yes. remember which ones were his, but uh, I know he did some some classic. Yeah, skate he's a uh, wonderful. I have some incredible artists working on the comic book, and that's that's another thing I didn't mention. Absolutely. Uh, how uh, how I really like working in that genre because it's um, in that medium because the artists are. Everyone takes it to another level. I mean, yeah. it's really fun. It's very similar to directing a movie, except for I never see anybody. <laughs> <laughs> As in, instead That's of true. like thirty-five member crew, I've got seven artists that I just never see. And text messages. Yeah, and <laughs> emails in the middle of the night, all over the world. There are like yes. um but um, yeah. So that's what I'm doing now. When I get all twenty done, hopefully that will be a series. That's very exciting. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm excited. Uh, I love the book, and I can't wait to read more of it. I actually haven't read issue three, so oh, and, Tristan uh, is in and issue I, three. And I found out <laughs> so, just recently that I was murdered in this issue. So I didn't I'm, even know I'm I was very, in this book. Well, I, I didn't even think, know I was I don't in it. Think <laughs> that you were like I don't show that. You know, There's I think the, it's heavily implied <laughs> that, that my life does not continue into issue four. But uh, that's okay. But a couple people blow out of that thing. You know what? I could have been thrown clear. <laughs> yeah. Just because of my blood alcohol level Worse, at that time. Weirder things have happened in my movies. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, this yeah. is a Jackie Kong comic. That so is right. a good point. <laughs> so I could, at, you could be a brain in a jar next issue. Right. At least, at would least my head it. wasn't yeah. deep fried yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and I wandered around <laughs> stumbling across a kitchen. Uh, awesome. All right, thank you. We're going to head to a diner, and we're going to have uh, veggie burgers. So, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. A veggie burger for sure. Excellent. Have a good night. Thank you all for listening, thank and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Peace. All right. That was fun, but my stomach was growling. I hope you didn't pick that up. I did not. Okay. That was. I was just assuming. Yes. I'm starting to fade a little bit.